Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And we are right in the middle of Financial Literacy Month, and we're going to keep this going. Today, we are joined by Darren Carter and my guy. Darren's my guy. We've been working together on a few projects here and there, and I couldn't be more excited to have him on. So, Darren, welcome to the show. Emlyn, thank you for having me on the show. have enjoyed all of our projects to this point, and I'm just super thrilled. I've been a fan of the podcast for a while, and some friends in my network kind of put me onto it, and I was just like, you know what? I love all of this content. You always bring out amazing guests. I'm honored to be here with you. Thank you, man. I always try to bring on people that I think the community would want to hear. And definitely with everything that's been going on in your life right now, this is what people want. I try to give the people what they want. That's all yeah, I do. I just it, try to give Exactly. <laughs> I see you. I see you for the community. Yeah, that's, the it, people. that's it. So tell the people a little bit about yourself, because I know Darren Carter and how great he is, but let's tell them a little bit about yourself. Yeah. My name is Darren Sinclair Carter. I'm named after my great uncle. I want to throw that out there. Just a shout out to the family. I am currently on the security team at Coinbase. So I would say I identify as a crypto pioneer, really blessed to be in this opportunity. I think crypto is the future of finance. And I've worked in the tech industry for a number of years now. I originally started my career in Philadelphia and then moved over to San Francisco. And I have experienced at like Salesforce and Ernst & Young and I'm most recently Coinbase. And it's just been a great journey. And I'm just happy to share my knowledge with the community because I think it's something that we can all learn and benefit from. And I really want to see more underrepresented people in these really prestigious opportunities. I want us to be at the forefront of all of this. Thank you for giving me the platform to speak on this today. Absolutely. The platform is shared. Definitely want to make sure we get this information out there. So you said Coinbase, you said IPO. And I know people are like, okay, so Coinbase, you guys been in the news a little bit here about some things that's going on. So talk to it's us. It's our moment. That, it's our moment. Oh my gosh. So obviously that's the dream. When you go and you, let's say you move to San Francisco and you work for a tech company and let's say it's a startup, you always have the hope that one day your company is going to be at the point where you're ready to flip the switch. And next thing you know, you're publicly traded as a company. So whether you're listed on New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ or wherever you're listed, the world has the opportunity to invest in you and you're a public company and you guys have really grown up and been accepted into the world. I feel like this Coinbase IPO experience has been so amazing because I've worked in crypto for a while and I've been through the winters, the summers, the springs and the falls. And as a crypto believer, I'm here for every season, but this is truly our season right now. Wall Street has accepted us. I actually flew to New York City and I'm still here now just to be a part of the moment, to feel the moment. And what we've built is remarkable. So shout out to all the other Coinbase employees who have helped make this a success. And I'm just blessed to say that I am a pioneer in the game. Because again, I think it's going to continue to grow. I want our audience here to continue to learn and grow with it because it's moving. It's got momentum. And now we no longer have an excuse to sleep on it. So the IPO experience is definitely great a moment for all of us to celebrate. And I think it's, this one was particularly unique because this past year, everyone's been working remote. 
So this actually served as the first opportunity for a lot of people to meet in person. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. Okay. So I met a bunch of my coworkers for the first time because it may have started in the middle of the pandemic. And I've been there for a little bit longer than that. So I've actually seen a bunch of coworkers in person at the office in SF and in, in New York. But there's a bunch of people who I go to work with and I go to battle with every day on Slack and on Zoom. And it's cool to see them in person, build that relationship, and also coalesce around celebrating just such a successful day. So it's been great. Absolutely. Shout out to the Coinbase team for what you guys have done. I mean, everybody on the team over there at Coinbase, I was fortunate enough to be able to speak with you, speak Mm -hmm. with some of your team members and just the way that they've reached out to me and been such an incredible group of people. Absolutely thrilled to see you guys be able to take advantage of this opportunity. So when we're saying IPO, what does IPO mean? And the reason why I'm saying that is because I always talk to people. I just always try to explain it to everyone because you know how we are with acronyms. Yeah, exactly. All right, I'll break it down. So the IPO is your initial public offering. Technically, we did a different derivative of that, which is a direct listing. That was kind of popularized by some other startups, like I want to say Spotify might have done it. Spotify did it, yep. Yeah, that's probably one of the bigger ones, the most recognizable ones, where the company said, hey, we want to go direct to the public market and allow the public all to invest at the same time. Instead of their traditional IPO route, which is still just as amazing and huge, where I think you have investors and underwriters who are essentially taking their cut and then the stock hits the public market and then retail investors can go on to whatever their app of choice is and they can actually say, hey, I want to buy a share of Coinbase in this particular example. And for me, I grew up just looking on the outside, looking into finance, and I didn't actually understand the power of the IPO until I jumped into a startup opportunity. And that's when you have a compensation structure that's not only just salary, but you also have equity there. Mm -hmm. And then once that happened, I was like, let me learn all about this. This is actually later in my career where I actually knowing about that mattered and talk about valuations and series A, series B, the growth of a company. And then obviously that moment where you flip is the initial public offering and that's the IPO. And that's why it's such a big day because then everything that you've been working for becomes very real. Absolutely. And I think when you're talking about compensation, right, when you're getting equity compensation and then the equity is actually those shares are granted to you and then they actually mm-hmm. you know, invest. And I mean, that is a huge opportunity in itself. You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, I would love to talk about that piece because that was something that wasn't even on my radar when I was a professional in Philadelphia. And at this point, I'm at EY and you might be crushing it professionally, but it was just something that was outside of my perception. Mm -hmm. And when it came to equity, it completely changed the way that I perceive money. And it made me more of an advocate to get people into opportunities in tech because I'm like, this is how wealth is built specifically, let's say in San Francisco, right? I was like, how can people afford to buy houses here and blah, 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 so on and so forth. It's super expensive. And I realized that equity is thinking in multiples, right? That you're taking a chance. But this is where you start to evolve your money mindset to start talking multiples and not percentages. Mm-hmm. And the moment I realized that, I was like, cool, my runway in San Francisco just got a lot longer if I can just start thinking in multiples and have this idea of playing the long games and just putting my head down and building something that really has meaning. Because before, my world was very straight lines. Well, this is my salary. These are my expenses. Gap there. I'm going to save a little bit. I'm going to spend a little bit. 
And I'm going to continue to try and use salary as my main thing. But I was like, I am never going to crawl out of this cycle, no matter how well I'm doing, just on salary alone. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how are people leveling up? And that's yeah. when I realized there's levels to this. So that's my only comment about equity. Yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> there's levels to it. And I promise you, if you are in an equity comp situation, please seek a professional to help you out with mm-hmm. that because you can change a lot of things by doing that right. So we talk crypto, yep. we talk blockchain. We haven't really touched on blockchain. So talk a little bit about blockchain because I know we yeah. ultimately it is crypto, but let's talk about what blockchain is and then lead into crypto if you would. That's a great way to start it because a lot of people would assume that blockchain and crypto are the same and that they're synonymous. And I think blockchain is the core of what we need to talk about. And then understanding that blockchain and crypto aren't the exact same is a goal for the audience here. So we'll start at blockchain. Okay. I'll break it down. First word is block. And then the second word obviously is chain. So blockchain is a technology where within a particular block, you can write a number of transactions. So let's say in a financial example, blockchain doesn't have to only deal with finance, right? But in a financial example, you could say, Darren paid Emlyn, then Emlyn paid, and then Vince paid Sweta, and, and so on and so forth. So all of those transactions would be encoded into one block. In that one particular block, let's say that's the first one, then you would have another one after that, more transactions. And the chain piece is saying that block one is linked or chained to block two, which is chained to block three, and it's all sequential. And the power of blockchain allows you to validate the order and amount of transactions just over time. It's and almost like accounting system. Almost like exactly. an accounting system for crypto. Exactly. And if you just zoom all the way out and you think of the world of high finance and you have this bank in London communicating with this bank in the United States and this bank in Hong Kong, there's thousands and thousands of dollars flying everywhere. It takes them a long time to settle on our old fiat rails because they're trying to figure out at what point did Emlyn have enough money to pay so-and-so and so-and-so? There's a settlement period and they have to go into all of their ledgers to try and figure out how can we process this transaction or do we have to deny this transaction? And blockchain is a foundational technology that does that a lot, lot better because just of how the algorithm and the consensus mechanism might work. Blockchain is the foundation of crypto. Absolutely. So it's like the crypto tracking system, if you will, right? Just for ease of communicating what it is. Okay. With that, now how does crypto fit into that? Okay. So crypto is another layer on top of that. So let's say, for example, I want to say crypto, Bitcoin is probably the biggest coin that everyone's aware of. And if this is your first time learning about Bitcoin, please do your research because you cannot sleep on it any longer. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's been getting big. So Bitcoin is an application of blockchain, meaning finance. And the three main functions of money, let's say, are store of value, a medium of exchange, and a unit of account. And when you combine the power of blockchain and this Bitcoin protocol, then you have something that can kind of meet all three of those attributes of money. Mm-hmm. So Bitcoin will be a real-time, open, transparent ledger 
of what wallet addresses have what amount of Bitcoin. And it's always continuously moving and decentralized nature of the protocol, which means we have a thousand nodes that are all, let's say, calling out the score, right? A thousand nodes that are all calling out the score to just to validate that, yes, it's, you know, it's this 10-10, right? Or 12-2 or so on, so on and so forth. That whole decentralized network is maintaining the open ledger. And that's really, really powerful. And it might not be as apparent for listeners in the United States who are very well financially served because mm-hmm. we have bank accounts and we have credit cards, even the opportunity to access credit. All of those things are advanced features in the finance system that we may take for granted. But there are a bunch of people out there who don't have access to those things. And now with Bitcoin, they can be included in a financial network by just having a smartphone and not necessarily needing to go get a bank account and to go meet X, Y, or Z requirements in order to access credit and so on and so forth. Absolutely. So what Bitcoin does or what cryptocurrency and blockchain does is removes the centralization of currency, right? And Mm -hmm. it also does something that I really like is after Bitcoin, so they can't print more of it. It's done. Exactly. So everybody's always talking about, well, the Fed's just going to print more money and they're just going to do this and they're devaluing the dollar. Well, that can't happen here. Right. Because there's exactly. only so much Bitcoin that is available in the tracking system, which makes the blockchain even more important because now we know exactly how much is available and the value is going to continue to go up because there can't be more of it made. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. And that is a huge concept just in itself. Because I can just pause on that and just talk about it for a little bit. The fact that a crypto like Bitcoin is capped at $21 million means that the price of crypto is really just determined on supply and demand, right? If there was a supply shock, then you would anticipate that the price per Bitcoin would rise. And there's nothing you can do to go modify the protocol and say, we're going to inject $2 trillion worth of Bitcoin today, right? That would completely devalue the Bitcoin that you currently own. It would dilute it. And I think that's what's magical about Bitcoin as a store of value over time, because people see that as more and more people come, let's say, online, to Bitcoin, then it only makes sense that the price per coin will continue to rise. And we've already seen a bunch of big players hop into the space. So this year has been very unique because before you would have people who are native to the internet and crypto punks and just in retail investors and people who are just super aware of this. Those are mainly the people who were in on Bitcoin. And now we've seen some companies look at the economics of this and say, maybe it's safest for us to diversify out of an asset like the US dollar, which might be devalued over time if we continue to print more of it and move into a quote unquote harder asset like Bitcoin, which mimics gold in some sense. So why doesn't the government like it? (laughs) (laughs) I see. I put you on the spot. That just came to my mind and I just said, (laughs) it just came out of my mouth. Answer if you can. I think there are a bunch of misconceptions that have been dispelled about Bitcoin. Like, hey, the only reason you need open private money is for nefarious activity. And we've dispelled that. The government was a little afraid because before the industry may not have been mature enough to at least comply with some of the controls that they want in place. Mm-hmm. Let's say you need you know, your customer or anti-money laundering, right? You want to be able to build safety rails or seat belts in the car so you can go fast. So I think it scares them because it was moving very, very fast. And they didn't know if the seatbelts were built in the car. 
And I really do see a world or a future where the Bitcoin and the dollar and a bunch of other cryptos and a bunch of other fiat currencies all coexist. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say the past couple year trend has shown that the dollar has devalued against Bitcoin. So where $10 used to be able to get you one Bitcoin, $10 is only going to get you a very, very, very small fraction of a Bitcoin. Very, very, very small. (laughs) And yeah, some people might perceive that as like, oh my gosh, the price of Bitcoin has ran away and it's super pricey. But what I see is, wow, Bitcoin as a internet native foreign currency against US dollar or the euro or the yen or any other fiat currency, Bitcoin has continued to appreciate at a ridiculous pace over time because we're seeing the birth of the internet of value. This is a currency that belongs to the internet. I think about that and I'm like, first of all, this is not financial advice, but yes. if you need to buy some Bitcoin, buy some Bitcoin. This is not a recommendation. This is not me. I'm just saying, if you mm-hmm. don't have any and it's something that you think you might want to do, then consult with a financial professional before you do it or just do it. That's up to you. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm totally not telling you to go buy Bitcoin, but look into it. I think no, it's, it's something an worth talking about. It's definitely an option. It's definitely something that you don't want to keep your head in the sand. If you've had your head in the sand this long and you've barely found out what Bitcoin is now and it's at $60,000 a share, then you know, mm-hmm. maybe maybe you should have looked. But yeah, we're here. Emma, to I have a question you. for you. Yes, I actually do absolutely. have a question for you. How long have you known about Bitcoin? Because I know personally, anecdotally, know a lot of people who are aware of it years and years ago and just continued to watch. Did nothing actionable. There's no skin in the game. And they watched. They're observers, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, how long have you been aware of it? And then what was the moment where you're like, I think I need to take this a little bit more seriously? Was there a trigger for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So Bitcoin, I think I'd want to say I start hearing more about it maybe three years ago, two, three, maybe three, four years ago, four at the top. So I don't know. It wasn't past four years. I know that for a fact. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, ah, it's kind of fun. Bitcoin. I was like, oh, okay, these guys are doing it. I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it. Okay. So then the next year, they'll say year three, I have four. I'm like, ah, hmm, okay. And the price is still going up. Now my clients have it, right? So now I'm talking about it because my clients have it and yeah. they're talking about it. So now I have to go. And that's when it started happening. Clients were like, uh-huh. man, I got this Bitcoin, you know, this and that. And they're like, I got this much money. I'm like, in Bitcoin? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, and so now we're going through it and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, hmm, okay. So you gotta give it a look. To give this a look. Then we had to do some personal investing. So that's what we did. Exactly. It made sense for us. We looked at our thing, but I don't know. The aha moment had to come from my clients because I was like, yeah, it's something that I can do. But in the role that I was in, I've always done mutual funds, ETFs, individual stocks. You know what I mean? That's what I've always done. So I was like, yeah, I'm not really, it's something, but it's not something that's not for me because I'm doing this other pride and true way to invest money. Exactly. But after five or six or seven or eight or nine or 10 clients come to me and they're starting to ask questions about it. Okay. Well, maybe I need to know more about this. And that's when, <laughs> that's when uh, I'm yeah. down the rabbit hole. That's amazing. So the clients for the nudge, the clients for the yeah, nudge. Absolutely. absolutely. Because I got to give my clients the best information available. And if I'm not mm-hmm. looking into that information, I can't give it to them. So I have to go. So then after that, when I started researching, I was like, oh, wow, well, we need some of this. You know, what I mean? right. <laughs> like, exactly. we got to get some of this in our portfolio. I think you nailed it right there when you were saying the best information available I am not here to give any financial advice or endorse any particular coin or anything. But my advice to everyone who's listening is go seek the best information available so you can actually make an informed decision about something. And that's really the money mindset right there. 
Absolutely. So once that happened, then it was, oh, okay, this is cool. And then there's been some other things that we've looked into as well. But yeah, definitely started with my crypto journey with Bitcoin. That was my first Mm -hmm. one. And that's where we go. So now my wife is actually, I was like, you need to open up your account and get you some for yourself too. So we've actually started doing that. How did you, because I know you've had all this stuff going on with Coinbase, IPO and the crypto and the blockchain and stuff like that. How do you balance all of that with everything going on? Do you have personal wellness? Do you have a regimen or something? What do you do? How, how do you make it all work? For me, I had to create my own system. And I used to be a person who like loved the in-person interaction. I would feed off the energy of my team. And I like really enjoy the in-office setting, especially working at a company like Coinbase because it felt like you're at the Harvard of crypto. And every day you go and you interact with a bunch of classmates. And yes, there's a lot of great professors and great content that you get when you're in class. But sometimes those interactions that you have in the hallways after class, right? Those are the things that really take your experience to the next level. So pandemic hits, everyone goes into isolation. And I'm like, man, I need to keep working. Let me stay hustling. So I've devised a system that's worked really well for me. And it's called SCORE. So if you put yourself into the mind space of a professional basketball player, whoever your favorite player is, maybe you like Steph because you're out in the Bay. And now I'm a, (laughs) a Steph fan as well. But I'm also repping Sixers because my days in Philadelphia were amazing. But let's say you put yourself in the headspace of professional basketball player. Every day is a game. That's your opportunity to get better at your craft. And I've created a framework called SCORE that's going to help you determine what is a good day. And it's an acronym that stands for silence. So that's your meditation in the morning. Maybe that's your prayer. That's just your reflection and your gratitude, right? C is challenge. You need to be doing something that's uncomfortable every single day. You need to be pushing yourself. O is organized. You need to just be crisp in what you're doing. Just find something to put in its place because just that process alone is really helpful. R is read. So you need to be digesting really good information and don't be caught up in a social media diet by default because you might realize that that's not really the healthiest thing for you. And then the last thing is eat and exercise. Mm -hmm. And obviously that one speaks for itself. And I would say I would score myself one through 10 in each of those categories every day. So I would always have a quantitative measure of how good was today, right? And I'd say the best ballers are scoring 40s and above consistently. If you're really hooping, that's the level that you're at. And you could say that you're covering off on a holistic perspective of your life. It's not just for your profession and it's not just for your physical health. This is for your personal wellness and for your life. So my challenge to you is to score yourself for one week and just get a baseline of how you're hooping. I'd say anything 30 and up is good. I like the acronym. If you can go through that acronym one more time, we're going to put it all in the show notes and all that too, but I want to make sure that yeah. the listeners, because someone's listening, trying to rewind, they're going to listen and try to rewind. <laughs> we just get it to them right there. What, what exactly. Would, what would give us that? Score. So you got to always keep score and score stands for silence. It stands for challenge. It stands for organize. It stands for read. And then it stands for eat and exercise. Love it, man. That's score. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you my word. Monday, I'm going to start scoring. I'm going to see what I do. All right. Put up some numbers. Fun fact for you, which you probably already know, but the only two teams that you can like at the same time probably would be the Warriors and the 76ers being that the Philadelphia Warriors is where they started. I don't know if you knew that. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. In the forties, they won their first championship in uh, Philadelphia. Really? So is that where the whole Steph Curry has passed Wilt Chamberlain? Yep. Because he came from, yeah. Now that all makes sense to me. Because I was like, I didn't even know 
Steph, and well, we're competing on this. Yeah. Steph had it on lock. Philadelphia Warriors. Yep, that's it. That's where that's where the Warriors are originally from. Hey, that completes my story here. So now I knew why I like the Warriors and the 76ers for a reason. Absolutely, man. So that was just a little fun fact for you. So what is the significance of extending gratitude? Why is that so important? And why does that mean so much to you? Yeah, that one's actually really huge. Extending gratitude is something that I had to consciously practice. And when you start consciously practicing gratitude, that's when you start unlocking all of the blessings that have been waiting for you right there. And that's when you start to see things really start to compound, right? One thing leads to another and leads to another. And you start to radiate the positive energy to your closest people as well. And the next thing you know, it's infectious. Good things are happening for them, right? And then it's just an ecosystem where you guys are always continuously lifting each other up. And I think it's so important for all of us, especially if we're in an underrepresented community, it's so important for us to acknowledge just how powerful we can be if we adopt the mentality of lifting each other up. And I think that's where this generation is really going to thrive. That's why gratitude is so important to me. I've been on this gratitude thing and I got my daily journal that I do. And every day it asks me what I'm grateful for. And I got to write some things down. And when you're talking about unlocking some of the blessings that have been held up by your own attitude, Mm -hmm. like the famous (laughs) saying is, I need to get out my own way. Well, start being grateful for what you got. Yeah. Grateful for what you have. And it's amazing. You get out of your own way and you don't block mm-hmm. the blessings. Right. And I think that's so powerful. I've seen it. I read this book, book for that we started last week, Compound Effect. Oh, man. And he gets yeah. in there and he talks about the compound effect of gratitude. And so he tells this story in the book. He's talking about his wife and he says, you know, I wanted to do something special for my wife. So I mm-hmm. did a gratitude journal for her for 12 months. Every day I wrote something down that I was thankful for, for her. He said it changed our marriage. He said that was the best year we had ever had. And I did it. I didn't tell her anything. He said, I just wrote them down every day and it changed how I thought about her. I said, oh, this is deep. You know what I mean? What gratitude does to you. It changed how Mm -hmm. I thought about her and it, it made me fall in love with her again about some of the things that she had done that little things that I would overlook. But since I was writing it down every day and he said for Thanksgiving, I gave her all the things that I wrote now, I gave her the little book. That was pretty cool. That's beautiful. The compound effect. So pick that up. If you haven't read it already, compound effect, that's the first chapter. So you don't waste time getting right into what's going to work. So that's like the first, (laughs) second chapter where he does that. So man, thank you so much for coming on. As you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And these are some of the questions that I ask to everybody, but I got to ask, what motivates and inspires you to continue to grow and learn and lead? Yeah, that's a great question. Let me think. What inspires me? I think it's just acknowledging how talented our generation is and that just embracing the challenge of unlocking all of that talent, especially for underrepresented minorities. And I feel really fortunate to have broken down, let's say, the first barrier. Like, hey, let's you broke into tech, take it to another level. Mm-hmm. And then broken down another barrier and broken down another barrier. And I want to continue to bring as many people along on that journey as possible. And I just think it's just absolutely essential. There's so many influences in my life that have solidified my resolve around this issue. Mm -hmm. One being the late Congressman John Lewis, and he was actually a second cousin of mine. So I've had the opportunity to really sit with him and just understand what it means to be called to something. And that's powerful in itself, right? So that's why I'm 
excited to even speak with this audience. So thank you for inviting me on to the Minority Money Podcast and why I'm going to continue to march on this path. But I'm really excited for the future. I think that there's a bunch of talent that is about to be unlocked. And the conversations that you're having with your cohort and the things that you guys are working on are going to be amazing, right? And we're going to be able to look back on that and be really proud of all the hard work and those extra miles that you went because they're going to just continue to compound for future generations. Absolutely, man. That's the goal. That's the goal, man. We want to make sure that everyone is living their best, most financially rich life. So Mm -hmm. if you could offer the listeners a piece of advice, what would you say? This parting gift, what would you say? Parting gift? I'd say lean into what scares you a little bit, right? Those things that scare you, they scare you for a reason. Maybe Mm. you're afraid because it's something that's consequential in a good way, right? Don't be afraid to take those risks. Bet on yourself. And as we continue to see more people betting on themselves, we're all going to be there to support you. So you can't lose. Shoot your shot. Absolutely. That's it. Score. Make sure you score. Exactly. Make sure you score. score. Hey, so if people want to get more Darren Carter, what he's doing, what social medias are you active on? Absolutely. I would love to connect with everybody on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Just please don't blow up my inbox. It's just one of the ones that I really follow very closely. Mm -hmm. And then on the gram, you can find me at Dare, D-A-R-E, Carter. Mm -hmm. And then those are the main ones that I'm on. Yeah, I feel like that pretty much covers it. I don't really tweet all that often, but I do just browse through Twitter and I downloaded TikTok, but I don't really use TikTok. We're going to get you on Twitter, bro. The reason why I'm on Twitter, Twitter's where it's at, bro. That's that's Twitter's where it's at, bro. Don't worry. We'll tap you in. We'll make sure you tapped in on Twitter. Exactly. Conversations on there. But once again, man, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you and the work that you guys are all doing over at Coinbase. Once again, shout out to the Coinbase team and the big IPO. Uh, I'm so excited for all of you. And yeah, man, I think we'll have to do this again. I think we got something going here, bro. I think we'll have to have you back on. Let's keep building. Yeah, 100. Until next time, everyone knows this is the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, We're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here and until next time.